from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. First of all, I don't think anyone is surprised by this, especially after that draft decision got leaked. Illinois' borders are open and welcome to anyone who needs care, and Midwest Access Coalition will certainly support those people. Um, We are continuing full force ahead at our Fairview Heights Illinois Health Center in the Metro East, where we are bracing for impact. When it comes to making exceptions, there isn't really one to be made if you consider um, life to begin at conception what the many, many survivors of rape um, and the children who were conceived in rape say is that those children's lives have value and that they are more than the way in which they were conceived. I'm Jason Rosenbaum. Just a few hours ago, the United States Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade, which guaranteed a right to an abortion across the country. Thanks to Missouri's trigger law that takes effect once Roe falls, the state will now ban abortion with the exception for medical emergencies. There are no exceptions for people who become pregnant because of rape or incest. And while access to abortion is closing in the show-me state, Illinois is expected to become a crucial haven in the Midwest and around the country for people to end their pregnancies. Reaction to this decision has been swift. Brian Westbrook is the founder and director of Coalition Life, an anti-abortion rights group that operates in Missouri and Illinois. He said earlier this month that he hopes that the end of Roe is just the beginning. I think it's really important that we we don't just call this a victory and we don't just uh, say that this is we're done or this is the end. But outside Planned Parenthood in St. Louis, Congresswoman Cori Bush blasted the decision for stripping away the rights of millions. To know that people are already hurting, that people need services. This is health care. It's like mental health. It's like going to get your, get, get the services for heart disease, get services for a toothache. It is health care. And, it might, and, and it's, nobody else's, it's nobody else's decision. Forty-nine years. Soon, we'll get a reaction from State Representative Mary Elizabeth Coleman, who helped craft the bill with Missouri's trigger law. We'll also talk with Banyan Lee Gilmore of Planned Parenthood of the St. Louis region in southwest Missouri later in the program. But in studio right now is Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio's health reporter. Reporter. Sarah, welcome to the program. Hi, Jason. Now that Attorney General Eric Schmidt and Governor Mike Parson have signed paperwork causing the trigger law to go into effect, what happens now? So what happens now is abortion is effectively illegal here, like you said, um, in except very rare cases um, where the person who has the baby is in uh, is in uh, dire health straits. And I think we'll see more about what that entails as we move through the future. Um, it doesn't actually change a ton in Missouri, though, because as a lot of people probably know, there haven't been that many abortions performed in Missouri for the last couple years. In 2021, there were only 150 uh, provisionally, according to the state health department. 
in 2020, there were 167. And that's down from about, you know, a, a few thousand at least in, in the years prior to that. And that's largely because of two factors. Um, one is very restrictive abortion laws that we have here in Missouri that require things like uh, admitting privileges to hospitals, uh, multiple appointments for uh, for patients, and um, ultrasounds that patients need to have before they get the procedure. And that's just made it very difficult for both providers and patients to access the procedure. Now, one of the things that I've heard in reaction to trigger laws like Missouri is it could lead to the increase in what's known as self-managed abortions, which is when you take a pill, potentially at home, to end pregnancies. Um, The trigger law does include a stipulation that a woman pursuing an abortion cannot be charged, Mm -hmm. but could they be if they decide to self-manage an abortion? What have you heard? I don't know much about that. I know that historically legislatures have not usually targeted women um, or people who get the abortions themselves. A lot of times they target uh, places like clinics, Planned Parenthood especially, um, that provide the abortions because I think the idea for a lot of uh, anti-abortion rights activists is that these people are being preyed upon by these organizations and they shouldn't be punished. But uh, if we've learned anything from today's decision is that you can't necessarily rely on precedent right now. It's sort of all up in the air, and um, we're likely to see things that we never expected. This morning, Allison Dreeth, Director of Strategic Partnerships for the Midwest Access Coalition, shared with us her thoughts on how Illinois is preparing for a potential influx of patients seeking abortion care. I don't think a lot changes for Midwest Access Coalition Unfortunately, um, just because the Supreme Court is um, overturning such a um, precedent, um, that does not mean that abortion seekers have always had the opportunity to get care in their hometowns or even in their state. Quite frankly, Missouri has not been providing meaningful abortion care since 2019, and that is something we have seen all across the country. And so while Illinois has continued to see increased um, abortion seekers from outside of its borders, um, we do have a good safety net here. We've Illinois has taken additional steps to protect um, abortion care and, and reproductive care as the essential health care that it is. And so we have protections in place um, for all abortion seekers and, and for those of us who provide and, and help people with that travel. We're just going to see a little bit of chaos here in the upcoming days as this 216-page um, decision, I believe it is, um, has all of the legal experts reading over it and advising different clinics and organizations on what to do. Um, And we're going to have to pick up more of that load. I think clinics have space in Illinois, as well as there are additional clinics being built as we speak. Um, Choices out of Memphis, Tennessee, hopes to be opening in Carbondale, Illinois by August or September, um, and so um, it's going to take maybe a little bit of time, but 
Illinois' borders are open and welcome to anyone who needs care, and Midwest Access Coalition will certainly support those people needing to travel to this state for care um, with their flights, their buses, their drivers, their food, their child care, um, their medication, their hotel stays, anything they need. Um, you are not alone. You can still get an abortion in this country. Please be on the lookout for accurate information so that you can get the care you deserve. That's Allison Dreeth. Director of Strategic Partnerships for the Midwest Access Coalition. So we heard, like, what her organization is doing. What is Illinois writ large doing to preparing for possibly thousands of people to come to their state? In the months ramping up to this decision, I uh, first of all, I don't think anyone is surprised by this, especially after that draft decision got leaked a few months ago. Um, Illinois, in particular, is positioned to become even more of a destination for abortion services. Um, Their governor, J.B. Pritzker, has repeatedly called Illinois a, quote, pro-choice state. Um, They've legalized the right to an abortion in state law there, uh, especially as places like Tennessee and Missouri are set to enact these trigger laws, or Missouri has already. And that's been the case for years. Yeah, I'm from Illinois, exactly. and I have lived through several Republican governors who have supported abortion rights. So support for abortion rights runs really deep in Illinois. Absolutely. And we've seen that in the clinics across the river from St. Louis in particular. Um, like uh, Allison Dreeth said, we just heard, Um, abortion has really dwindled here. And in part, that's because we have so many services just across the river. Um, There are two clinics, um, the Hope Clinic and the Planned Parenthood Clinic, um, that are operating within like 10 minutes of downtown, basically, um, by car. More if you have to take a bus or something, obviously. But um, Planned Parenthood in particular has really shored up their services. They opened a really big clinic in 2019, I want to say, um, to accommodate this expected influx of patients. And they're already seeing, even before today's decision came down, a big increase in patients from places like Texas and Oklahoma. And that was going to be my next question, because Missouri is not the only state with a trigger law. How could Missourians seeking abortions in Illinois be affected if people from around the country are making appointments there? Mm -hmm. Well, they're already being affected um, because, like we've learned during COVID, clinics and providers are finite resources. Um, Even if patients increase, you you can't necessarily always scale up the services for those patients. And so even before this decision, um, the Planned Parenthood Clinic at least has seen um, it more become more difficult for people to make appointments from Missouri because you're seeing more patients from places like Oklahoma, which has a ban, and Texas. And um, and so the more patients there are, the less likely you are to get an appointment. And the longer you may have to wait and the less likely it might be for you to be able to travel to those clinics. Uh, from talking with political figures of both parties, The agreement that I've heard is you're not going to be able to elect enough Democrats to the Missouri legislature to undo this trigger law, maybe in our, I don't want to say maybe in our lifetimes, but anytime soon. If there's going to be a way forward for people that do not like this trigger law, it's going to have to be on the federal level by passing 
federal legislation enshrining the right to an abortion in federal statutes. Is that what you're hearing as well? I don't know if I'm hearing anything about that. I'm really focused on the um, sort of like the statewide uh, abortion laws. But I do know that in Missouri, at least, there the access that we've had here, um, you know, what little there is left, has been shored up by the federal courts um, in both sort of the, the regionally and nationally. And once those federal courts don't have a precedent to protect those clinics, and now that we have the trigger law, um, I don't know if Missouri can really rely on federal legislation and action in the way that they used to be able to. Um, I I guess one last question before I let you go. Um, I think that the big thing about this trigger law is that there's no exceptions for rape or incest. Mm -hmm. What has been the reaction from people about that fact? I think for anti-abortion rights activists, what I am hearing from them is that abortion ends what they view to be a life. And you can't make exceptions for that. And so when it comes to making exceptions, there isn't really one to be made if you consider um, life to begin at conception. And what I'm also hearing from a lot of these activists is that um, if we do make that uh, into law, we need to support those people who are going to have a kid as a result of those uh, of rape or incest. Sarah Fenton is St. Louis Public Radio's health reporter. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on this historic day. Thank you. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back to hear from supporters and opponents of this decision. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. I'm Jason Rosenbaum. Missouri only has one clinic where people can get abortions, Planned Parenthood's facility in Midtown St. Louis. But that organization has been preparing for this day for a long time, most notably by opening up a clinic in the Metro East. Joining us to react to the Supreme Court decision is the Vice President of Strategy and Communications at Planned Parenthood of the St. Louis region in Southwest Missouri, Banyan Lee Gilmore. She talked with me shortly after the decision came out, and I asked her for her reaction. It's really hard to put put it into words. Actually, this is the um, the first time I'm actually speaking about it publicly, as we've been working here um, to triage the situation. You know, none of us are surprised about Roe being overturned, but of course we're emotional. Um, this has been a long fight. We've we've fought so hard in the state of Missouri, and we have stood by um, every person's constitutional right to access reproductive freedom through abortion care. Um, The abortion services that we have provided in the state of Missouri has afforded the freedom for so many people to create 
the lives that they want unique to them, right? And it has given us the opportunity to control our own bodies, our own lives, and our own futures. Um, And so while this day is unsurprising and we are wholly prepared for it, um, that doesn't take away the the emotional impact that it has on every single abortion provider, advocate, and activist who has fought so hard in the state of Missouri. As I'm sure you know, both Attorney General Eric Schmidt and Governor Mike Parson have issued opinions or signed proclamations making Missouri's trigger law go into effect, which bans pretty much every instance of abortion in the state with the exception of quote-unquote medical emergencies. What does this mean for Planned Parenthood's facility in St. Louis? We have already sent a letter to the Missouri Department of Health notifying them that we are ceasing abortion operations at this health center. Um, This is the end of the line for abortion care for the 1.3 million people of reproductive age in um, the state of Missouri. That trigger ban has forced us into stopping services. That being said, um, we are continuing full force ahead at our Fairview Heights, Illinois Health Center in the Metro East, where we are bracing for impact and a large influx of patients who will soon be turning to that health center um, from across the Midwest and South. And that was going to be my next question. Do you think it's going to be difficult for Missourians to go to places like Illinois if people from other states with similar trigger laws to Missouri are also coming there. Yes, this situation will undoubtedly create a ripple effect, as we already have seen a ripple effect um, in the days, weeks, and months since the Texas abortion ban was enacted and then since the Oklahoma abortion ban was enacted. Um, It will create a ripple effect, and that is why we are urgently calling on the Pritzker administration in the state of Illinois Um, to resource providers on the ground, whether it be funding resources for patients who need navigation help, or it is expanding the pool of providers to allow nurse practitioners and physician assistants to provide in-clinic abortion care. We need help, and we need it now, and we need every elected ally who has power and resources to dedicate resources to us at this moment. We cannot wait. The time has arrived. Um, oh, sorry, continue. Earlier, yeah, earlier today, HHS Secretary Becerra um, was at our, at our health center conducting a roundtable, and we also called on Secretary Becerra to declare a public health emergency and treat this moment as you would treat any other public health emergency like, like the federal government did under COVID-19. It's been said that the only way to reverse things like Missouri's trigger law beyond getting enough Democrats elected to the Missouri legislature, is to get Congress to pass legislation that would enshrine the right to an abortion everywhere. How confident are you that maybe today's decision will push more momentum toward that goal? We certainly hope that this is the final wake-up call um, that providers like us on the ground have been hoping and waiting for for years, if not decades. Um, for our allies in Congress to do what they need to do in order to protect the rights and freedoms of all people. Um, But we're not disillusioned. We know that Congress is a deeply dysfunctional space right now. Um, And while we have amazing allies like Congresswoman Bush in Congress, um, there are 
a few holdouts, and and that's troubling. And so, you know, I think it's really important for all of our supporters and activists and those who have fought alongside us to know that the fight is just beginning, and this is going to be a marathon to rebuild access. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, It's not going to happen in a year or two. It's going to be years of work, particularly to um, fight back for, to rebuild our access to abortion for the next generation. There are going to be a lot of public officials and just individual Missourians who are going to be pleased with today's decision because they believe abortion is morally wrong. What would you like to say to them to get them to change their perspective on this decision? The same people who proclaim to be pro-life and are celebrating the end of abortion are the same folks who have aligned with the politicians who have refused to pass gun reform and refused to pass funding for the formula shortage. It is hypocrisy at its worst. And we are staring at a public health crisis that will have an impact on maternal mortality. It will worsen maternal health outcomes, particularly for black women. Um, and in the state of Missouri, black women already die um, at three to five, four times higher rates than their white counterparts. Um, and so anybody who is celebrating this day is, is celebrating American hypocrisy at its worst. My final question for you, is there any possibility that your organization could sue over the trigger law, or did today's decision make any legal action fruitless and that the attention now needs to be turned to either the state or federal legislative branch? Well, I'll say that we are constantly looking at all of our options. Um, Right now, we're just trying to get through the day. Um, But on a bigger picture, I, I think you bring up a good point, right? Today and all the days that led to the overturning of Roe, should be a stain on our history, and we have to learn from our past, and we have to do better. We cannot accept compromise, middle ground, or good enough any longer. We must demand a system that creates abortion access for all people, whether it's at the state level or the federal level. Um, And, you know, let's be honest, since Roe was decided nearly 50 years ago, we've been fighting back against restrictions and laws that targeted the most marginalized communities. Um, And so here begins the marathon of building it back, and it won't happen overnight. Banyan Lee Gilmore is the Vice President of Strategy and Communications at Planned Parenthood of the St. Louis region in southwest Missouri. Banyan, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. We're talking about the just-released U.S. Supreme Court case overturning Roe v. Wade, and that effectively ends access to most abortions in Missouri— because the state has what's known as a trigger law. That bans most abortions if the U.S. Supreme Court upends Roe v. Wade, and that exact event happened a couple of hours ago. Shortly after the ruling, both Attorney General Eric Schmidt and Governor Mike Parson issued opinions making sure that the trigger law went into effect. The only way to get abortions right now in Missouri is due to medical emergencies. There are no exceptions for people who get pregnant due to rape or incest. Republican Representative Mary Elizabeth Coleman helped craft the bill that contained the trigger law, and she talked with me this morning shortly after the decision came out. 
I started our conversation by asking for her reaction to the ruling. You know, when I was a teenager, um, the phrase was coined, we are the pro-life generation. And like kind of all 17-year-olds with our hubris, we said, we'll be the generation that ends Roe v. Wade. And um, to have that actually have happened in my lifetime and while I am serving as a state rep is It is unbelievable and surreal. The violence of abortion has killed millions and millions of our children. And um, to have a judicial decision that was wrongly decided be overturned is, um, it's just, I'm sorry, I'm recovering myself. Um, It's just a stunning victory for really the American experiment. Um, The pro-life movement for 50 years has worked within state houses and within our system to try to overturn a badly held decision. And um, although it took so many generations to do that, it was successful and did so without burning down the institutions that we hear people calling for today. It's just stunning. You were heavily involved in legislation that includes Missouri's trigger law, which just went into effect a couple of hours ago after opinions and proclamations from both the attorney general and the governor. What was the thinking behind that particular provision of what was a wide-ranging bill? So the Missouri Stands for the Unborn Act was an omnibus pro-life bill that had Really, we took a survey. The other architects of the bill, Nick Schroer and Elijah Har and Adam Schnelting, um, are all millennial young lawyers. Well, Adam's not a lawyer, um, but and we just took a legal survey across the country to see what protections were in place that Missouri was missing. And when we added that provision, um, Adam Schnelting, Representative Schnelting, was actually the one who offered that amendment. We were kind of figuring out who was going to do what, but. He, Uh, we didn't really expect that that was the piece that would, um, I I did, Jason, I didn't think that we would be serving. I didn't think that it would happen maybe even during my lifetime that we would see Roe overturned. And so it was added primarily because it was a piece of protection that the state didn't have. And if you, I haven't gotten a chance to read the decision yet, um, as you might imagine, my phone has been blowing up, but I did kind of scroll through and I saw that in the Appendix A, Missouri was the first state in 1825 to have abortion laws on the books. And Missouri now in a post-Roe regime was the first state to take advantage of the freedom to legislate as the elected body sees as appropriate. One of the aspects of this trigger law that has obviously engendered a lot of controversy is that it bans abortions except for medical emergencies and not instances where someone gets pregnant because of rape or incest. Would you say that that goes too far, even if Missourians feel that abortion is wrong? You know, I think that we really need to listen to the voices of women who have been assaulted and victims of this kind of atrocious violence. And so there is an organization called The One um, that my friend um, Melissa is one of the founders of. And um, I'm sorry, Rebecca Kistler, not Melissa. I'm sorry, Rebecca Kistler is the founder of. And it is 
an organization completely made up of women who conceived in rape and the children who were conceived in rape. And um, what she says and what the many, many survivors of rape um, and the children who were conceived in rape say is that those children's lives have value and that they are more than the way in which they were conceived. And so I think it's really important that we of course, punish and prosecute people who commit horrendous crime, but the innocent victims should not have more violence added to an incredibly violent situation. What would constitute a medical emergency under the trigger law? So my understanding is that it is the prote- provision is there to play, to protect the life of the mother. So if a mother's life is at risk, that um, our hospital systems will be able to perform abortions. And interestingly, our Um, Missouri has in many ways been operating under a post-row regime already for the last two years where we've had less than 200 abortions done annually in the state, and most of them have been performed at our hospital systems under the life of the mother exception. At what point in the pregnancy would risk be considered under this? And could it also include, would, would, would a medical emergency also constitute if somebody is suicidal or, or something like that? So those decisions are going to be based on the physician's determination about whether the life of the mother is is truly at risk. And um, as I said, we have been operating without incident for the last two years under that portion of the bill. And so I don't anticipate it being, you know, a stumbling block for physicians as we're moving forward. We've heard a lot about Illinois preparing for Missourians who are going to travel to that state to get abortions. And when you were last on the program, you talked about a proposal that would allow someone to sue anyone that seeks out, provides, or helps someone get an abortion. I did read Judge Kavanaugh's concurrence about how that type of thing wouldn't necessarily be allowed under this opinion. But is that something that you're still contemplating? Are you moving on to something else in this policy realm? Yeah, so I, like I said, I haven't had a chance to read the opinion yet. Um, I've just kind of scrolled through and I haven't seen that comment. Um, but I do think that because Missouri's laws have never been challenged in state courts, and we have seen state courts across the country find a right to abortion in their state constitutions in the same way the Roe court found a right to abortion where one didn't exist in the federal constitution, that's really has to be our focus is to make sure that we have um, a, a valid and initiative to make it clear that our constitution is silent on the issue of abortion, just as our federal constitution is silent on the issue of abortion. Um, I do think that nationally people are going to be looking at abortion tourism and how do we deal with those issues while making sure that we protect the ability of citizens to travel and to make um, and, you know, to take advantage of all of their constitutional rights that they have. Another thing that you mentioned the last time you were on St. Louis on the Air was how you have a fundamental belief that women deserve support and that they should not have to deny what is fundamental about being a woman in order to be successfully successful economically. So I think that brings up an obvious question right now. What actions would you want to do as a legislator to make sure that women are supported both during pregnancy and after their child is born? Yeah, so I think it's an incredibly important part and that we are looking at the economic coercion that women are often facing with threats from their partners or or just their economic circumstances. And so 
some specific things that I have proposed and some specific things that the state legislature has enacted, for example, is we have petitioned the Biden administration to expand Medicaid access for women who have delivered. Right now, they have coverage for a very short period of time postpartum, and we've asked that that continue through the first year. Missouri has um, high maternal mortality rates, and it is one of the most important public policy issues that we have to address, making sure that women have access to high-quality health care. And those maternal mortality rates often pop up in post-delivery care. So women aren't necessarily dying while they're pregnant, but they're having um, blood pressure issues or strokes or heart attacks immediately past delivery or in the um, you know months after that. And so that has to be at the top of the list. I have also proposed making sure that we're strengthening the requirements for fathers to provide for their children, even while the mother is pregnant. Um, I think that that's a really vital thing that we're participating, making sure that both parents are participating in the care of their children. Um, and then, you know, Missouri has spent millions and millions of dollars into healthy moms, healthy babies, and also our abortion alternatives programs. And I've been really proud to be at the forefront of including, even in the Missouri Stands for the Unborn Act, extra dollars to make sure that there is state funding for abortion alternatives. You serve in a heavily Republican legislature, which often chafes against providing a lot of money to major governmental initiatives that you just talked about. How confident are you that your colleagues will engage with those types of ideas now that Roe is overturned? Yeah, so many of the ones that I already, that I outlined, many of those policy ideas, we have already um, voted out and had broad support for. I think often people will think that there's a disagreement between conservative and progressive electeds about providing for the most vulnerable in our society. And there's really consensus that we need to make sure that we are providing for the most vulnerable. We do have public policy disagreements about what is the best way to do that. I'm a small government person, as you alluded to. I think that the best way to do that is to get out of the way and to help make sure that we're having um, helping private entities to the extent that we can to provide those services rather than have it be completely state-run. But the proposals that I just outlined are um, ones that are, have had and I think will have continued support for in Missouri. Representative Mary Elizabeth Coleman is a Republican from Arnold who represents parts of Jefferson and St. Louis counties in the Missouri House. Representative Coleman, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear from Midwest Newsroom Investigative Editor Steve Vakrat in Kansas City. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jason Rosenbaum. We're continuing to get reaction to the United States Supreme Court's historic ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, which means most abortions are now illegal in Missouri. And we want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about this topic, give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. 
or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpr.org. We're now joined by Midwest Newsroom Investigative Editor Steve Vokrot in Kansas City. Steve, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Jason. It's good to be here with you. What reaction have you heard about the decision thus far? Well, the reaction is uh, largely as I had expected. Um, Of course, people who are opposed to um, abortion, you know, this is something that they've uh, they've been uh, fighting for for decades. I mean, it's the slow patient politics, patient's politics uh, that have led to this moment. And it's, you know, decades of groundwork. And the Midwest, in a lot of ways, has been a cultural and political um, uh, ground for, for for this movement. You know, I mean, the, the neighboring state of Kansas, the summer of mercy in the 90s, turning to, um, you know, when, when abortion clinics in Wichita were being protested for days and days and weeks on end, um, it kind of led to this moment in strengthening the Republican Party over decades. And you've You've seen the similar strengthening of the politics around abortion in Missouri, of course, as well. And so, you know, of course, they see this as uh, a, a big day if you're if you're opposed to abortion, and that they see this as not a finished job. That you know, there's already been talk about a, a, a nationwide ban, you know, through the through the legislative means, because today's Supreme Court decision, of course sends the matter back to the states. And so we have this uneven patchwork across states. And so opponents of abortion don't see this as being uh, finished. Uh, Of course, you know, you also have seen very vociferous reactions against the decision by the Supreme Court, which was largely expected because of the uh, the leak that occurred to Politico some uh, some months ago. We have a lot of callers right now, so let's go to Jim in O'Fallon, Illinois. Jim, go ahead. You're on St. Louis on the air. I am deeply humbled by the courageous opinion of the Supreme Court on Roe v. Wade, and. All I can do is think of and pray for the millions and millions of children that have been aborted over the past 50 years that never got the opportunity to become what their creator meant them to be and uh, things that they could have achieved in their lives had that not been possible to have them aborted. So uh, I'm grateful for the decision. I pray for the mothers that had to go through that process, but mostly for those millions and millions of children that never got to achieve the potential they were created for. Jim, thank you very much for your comment. We now go to Kyle in St. Louis. Kyle, go ahead. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hi. Um, I'm I'm very, very concerned about what this means for the future, and at least in the state, um, because I'm I'm a gay man, and I was recently, I recently became engaged, and I'm, as uh, uh, Justice Thomas noted in his concurring opinion, that he thinks that um, Obergefell and Lawrence should be looked at again, too, and, and overturned. So I'm concerned I might not be able to get married or that my marriage may not be legal in this state for in the future. Kyle, thank you so much for your comment. Steve, I, I've heard a lot about how this decision could have ripple effects on other Supreme Court precedents. What have you heard? 
Well, so Samuel Alito, who wrote the majority opinion today uh, on, on the on the Roe overturning Roe, said, you know, that this decision should not be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not uh, concern abortion. But as the caller noted, um, you know, Clarence Thomas issued a concurrent opinion in which he raises this issue of, you know, sh- we may need to revisit the, you know, the legal thinking behind earlier Supreme Court decisions. So, like. One was Griswold versus Connecticut, which was uh, you know from 1965, which said that you know married couples have a right to contraception. Uh, Lawrence versus Texas in 2003, that was a case that said that sodomy laws were invalid and that same-sex uh, sexual activity is legal. And then uh, you know the, the the 2015 case that established and said that you know gay couples uh, can get married. And he's saying that, you know, that the court may need to revisit its jurisprudence on that. Now, that's just one of nine justices saying that. But there is, you know, arguably a trend in the current Supreme Court makeup that is susceptible to revisiting earlier, uh, earlier precedents that have been set, as we certainly saw today. Gary tweets, I just saw Mayor Tashara Jones's post at, that she will fight this. We will fully support an executive order allowing the current abortion practices to be allowed to continue in the city of St. Louis. Please let her know that you support advance this executive order. That, that's notable, but uh, I, I don't think that Missouri law will allow municipalities to carve out their own abortion laws. And I imagine in other states where that may be legally allowed, especially if the state legislature is run by Republicans— they may try to stamp that out pretty quickly. Is that a fair observation? Is that a fair observation, Steve? Yeah, I think you're probably right. I don't know the details of what the mayor is proposing exactly, but I mean, you and I see it in the state legislature in Missouri all the time that there is a tendency to preempt local, uh, you know, various local ordinances. You know, we saw it, you know, in Kansas City, we see it with the control of the police department. And I think you may see that again uh, in some respects in St. Louis as well. Um, and so given the makeup of the General Assembly and their propensity to um, to, to, to preempt local ordinances, um, I don't know how likely the mayor's proposal uh, will will be in terms of being effective. Let's go back to the phone lines. Kelsey in Fox Park, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi. Yeah, I um, am just calling to offer a message of solidarity and kindness to all of the, the women and individuals who are hurting and grieving today. Um, I am someone who lives alone and have received so many messages of love and support, and they've really meant the world to me. And so I just wanted to extend um, that gratitude um, and offer it to, like I said, the individuals who are mourning a, a great loss in the protections of their bodies and their independence today. And I encourage all of you to offer the fierceness and patience and understanding that you offer to your advocacy and to your relationships and to your community um, to yourself today and just do what you need to take care of yourself, to rest up and be prepared to fight. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Uh, Heather tweets, why would anyone send their child to a Missouri college with zero bodily autonomy rights for women? I have sons and I won't give this state a dime for their college. It's not safe here for women. Steve, I've I've heard that type of thing in the run-up to this decision, that the fact that Missouri's 
trigger law is so extensive may give pause to either people or businesses to come here. Are you hearing similar sentiments? I hear similar sentiments to a certain extent that, you know, not just around this abortion issue, but, you know, a a number of social issues that have been taken on um, in in Missouri uh, in the possibility that, you know, if a company is considering relocating uh, to Missouri or opening a division in Missouri, are they going to have second thoughts uh, about it as a result of this or a number of other issues that have come up? Um, you know, we'll have to explore the track record of that over a longer timeline. Um, but for a progressive-minded company, it's not hard to see how they may have misgivings um, about the direction Missouri's going on this topic. Josh in St. Louis Go ahead. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm a father, and I have a daughter, and I'm very, very, very upset with this situation because pretty much what you what what, what they just told what they just told my daughter and all the other women that are out here is that somebody or some whoever can inject semen inside of you, and you don't have a right to reject it back. I'm sorry. That's all I have to say. Thank you so much, Josh. Uh, Vanessa tweets, I grew up in Wichita and was subjected to protests in front of Dr. George Tiller's office, the physician who was murdered in 2009 by an anti-abortion extremist, only made me pro-choice and pro-abortion because anti-choice people do not care about life at all, just forcing their religious beliefs on others. It it does bring up a question, Steve, about whether this decision could affect the upcoming election. I've heard both perspectives that it could motivate people who are upset by this decision to go and vote for Democratic candidates. Uh, Others have contended that Missouri voters seem to support people that support this trigger law. What have you been hearing on that issue? That's that's a really tough issue to to to, to analyze because I've heard those arguments as well. You know, of course, it could galvanize the right, could galvanize the left, or people in in the middle. Um, part of me wonders how much that really changes the politics of the Midwest, given you know the you know the Trump presidency, which really angered a lot of. Uh, uh, people on the left, and you know, even pe- more moderate, uh, more moderate voters. I mean, certainly Biden got elected after that, but did it really change the makeup of politics and state legislatures in a in a meaningful way? I would argue no. Maybe this is different, and we'll see uh, here soon. We've got primaries and a general midterm general election coming up, um, but we're really in a country that is polarized. People have their heels dug in. Um, so I don't know. It's too for me. It's too soon to say. Let's go to Virginia in Mascouda, Illinois. Uh, Virginia, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi there. Um, this whole thing makes me really angry. I it gives me the feeling that that people who say they're pro life aren't really pro life because they don't want any change to the gun laws or any correct improvements there. I'm almost 70, and I'm like, I would probably never have had an abortion, even if I'd had an opportunity. But this is a very scary road we're on, and I'm really angry about the loss of autonomy, as a few other people have put it, and I'm very afraid for the slippery slope that you guys were discussing. 
And I can guarantee that even though we used to be Republicans, it is, there will be no other Republican votes by the women in our family. I know there won't be. Um, you know, if you're going to say you respect this life, then please respect the other lives. I don't see support for people who have unwanted pregnancies, and I don't see support for saving the lives of children in their classrooms. Thank you so much, Virginia, for your call. On the line now is Natalie from Edwardsville, Illinois. Natalie, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi, thank you for taking me. Um, I am an adopted person. I am 100% pro-choice. People need to know that there are millions of adopted people who are pro-choice. Alito's commentary that we need to increase the domestic supply of infants is disgusting, and um, everyone needs to stand up and fight against this. Thank you. Natalie, thank you so much for your call. Let's go to John in St. Charles. John, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I'm wondering, as somebody who was born male and who is never going to have to uh, think about getting an abortion, but who's still an ally of women and uh, who's pro-choice, I'm wondering how I can support uh, the movement and women this time. John, thank you so much for your call. Thank you. Steve, before we we sign off, do you have any final thoughts on this on this historic day? Um, you know, like I said, it's it, it, earlier. It was the result of a long and patient period uh, from the right of you know chipping away at the, the the right to abortion that was enshrined in the Roe decision. Just decades of of slow and patient politics that uh that that got us here and um you know that it's 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 truly a historic day um and you know there's going to be people celebrating and there's as we've heard on here there's just people who are deeply deeply hurt by it Steve Valkrod is the investigative editor for Midwest Newsroom uh thank you so much Steve for joining us today thanks for having me And thank you to everybody else who has joined us today on on what is a historic day in this country. Um, St. Louis on the Air is produced by Maya Norfleet, Danny Wissentowski, Emily Woodbury, and Alex Hoyer. The audio engineer is Aaron Dorr, and our intern is Avery Rogers. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Um, Thank you for listening. I'm Jason Rosenbaum. podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.